invite you to remain standing with me as we read God's Word together today. We are going to be in the Gospel of Luke in the 6th chapter. Um, You'll see several other verses on the screen. We're not going to read through those uh, today. I'll reference them here in just a moment. But we're just going to take a small section out of the Gospel of Luke. It's a pretty uh, monumental moment in the early ministry of Jesus as he is about to appoint 12 apostles. And an apostle is someone who is sent with a mission. Now, we may think of them as missionaries today, but that was their goal. They had a mission to take the gospel to those who had not heard it. And these apostles are being chosen by Jesus, and Jesus does something interesting the night before he chooses those apostles. And so read with me, if you would, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent all night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed, who became a traitor. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are seated, we do have Kingdom Kids today, and they can join up right over here with our Kingdom Kids workers. They're going to head to our Christian Life Center right next door, upstairs. In that center classroom, will they have a chance to learn and worship and have lots of fun at their level? And so for parents who may not know that Kingdom Kids Ministry or for those who are four years old out of nursery up to second grade, gives them a chance to uh, be together and learn. And all the parents are so thankful they get maybe a smidge of a break here for just a few moments. I'm going to talk about prayer, if you hadn't guessed already, and I'm going to talk about prayer cards in just a moment. Hopefully I got to most of you and you got a prayer card today. If not, don't worry. If you pick up the Bible reading plan on your way out, which is on the table in the foyer, you will find inside the cover of that Bible reading plan a sheet that includes four prayer cards. Most of you know at the beginning of the year we started a reading plan together that takes us through the entirety of the New Testament, as well as reading through the Psalms and Proverbs multiple times. And we're encouraging you to, um, if you are accustomed to reading the Bible on your own and you've read through it before and this is something you do normally, uh, we're encouraging you to take another step in your life with God by including in it um, some systematic, thoughtful ways of also praying and studying God's Word and recording some of that work that you're doing in um, a journal. And so what we read this week, it really focused in on, I thought, prayer. Because not only do you have Jesus praying here, but you also have Jesus teaching about prayer in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And you read that. And Pauline read a portion of that, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, the tail end of it, in between our, our praise songs this morning. And so if you haven't joined in on this reading plan, I really encourage you to get, get in on that. We are preaching from it um, Pretty much every Sunday, you're going to hear a message that came from something you read the previous week, okay? So just heads up on that. Grab one of those on your way out. 
I want to pause and just ask if you would just pray with me before we get into uh, today's scripture passage and the topic of prayer. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, it is it is good to be together. God, even if someone is here today, they don't know you. It's the first time in the in the church. Maybe they don't know anyone or many people here, or they're watching it on Facebook. Uh, God, it is it is good for us together on Sundays uh, to worship you in song, to talk to you in prayer, to uh, be reminded of the importance of fellowship and giving to. Your work and God opening your word. God, you have, this is not our idea, this is your idea that your saints would gather to worship on what we call the Lord's Day, the day your son Jesus rose from the dead. And so we just acknowledge you've given us a good gift and we get to open that gift and, and enjoy it today. And we are just very thankful. So as we approach your word and what it has to say to us about prayer and the picture of Jesus and his life of prayer. God, I I ask that you would help our minds to uh, be attentive to what you want to say to us. Help our hearts to be soft, receptive to what message you want us to receive. And God, as always, we pray that you would ready our hands and feet to take what you show us today and not just believe it, not just know it, but live it in our lives When we leave this place, this is what we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we got this one little passage, but it's set within a scripture reading, a week of scripture reading that dealt with prayer. And we are encouraging you to develop your life of prayer with God. And so I thought this passage really kind of fit uh, this overall idea. And as I was praying through it, You read this passage this week, and it's pretty remarkable. Jesus is about to do something that is in his ministry and in our lives today very important. He is going to choose from the large group of people who have been following him around and learning from him and experiencing his ministry. Out of that group, he is going to choose 12 apostles, which we said already are those who are sent out with a mission. And these 12 apostles, Jesus knew this was an important part, this important moment of his ministry. And so this is the only place we find in scripture where we read that Jesus prayed all night long. Now, I doubt it's the only time he did that, but it's the only place recorded in scripture. So that tells us there's something significant happening in the life of Jesus and his instinct when he's coming up on this monumental moment is to spend not just a little bit of time in prayer, but to spend all night in prayer. And I doubt it was the first time he had prayed about this. And you know, in our lives, we're going to come across those moments, right? We're going to come across those really important decisions. Something big is taking place in our life. And, And I hope, and if you're a Christian, I believe this, if you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit in you, And those are one of the same because you can't be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. You can't have the Holy Spirit living in you and not be a Christian. So if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And that spirit in you and in me as a a Christian wants to talk to God. Wants to speak, be heard, and to hear from God. Wants to have that conversation with God. Wants to share our heart with God. When things are challenging, we want to talk to God in prayer. 
I don't think that's unique to Christians. I think there is something unique about that. But I think many people, even if you're not a Christian, you probably have felt that same impulse to pray. When you don't know what else to do, you pray, right? When you need leadership, when you need guidance, when you need help, when something's beyond you, our instinct is to pray. And so we see this on full display in Jesus' life. He is spending all night in prayer. And that kind of got me going down a little bit of a, of a tangent in my study. And I just began to think about, you know, like, where are these other places that Jesus is praying? Because I remember I've, I've read through them, read through the New Testament several times. I remember coming across them. And I just started thinking, you know, like, let's maybe let's take a deeper look at that. Let's look at all these places in which Jesus prayed. Because one thing we know about Jesus is that he had a life of prayer. This was no exception. And so I just want to show you a few places where we see Jesus praying. We don't often get the words that he prays. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we're just notified that he is praying. And it begins, it begins at the beginning of his ministry. Many mark the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry with his baptism. And we talked about that before, that John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus. And we read in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22, that in that process of being baptized, during that time, Jesus was praying. Jesus gets into his earthly ministry, and he is a popular guy. If you can imagine, if you can heal people, right? If you can bring people back from the dead, which Jesus did on more than one occasion. If you could preach like no one has ever preached ever before, you're probably going to be able to gather a crowd. And Jesus could gather a crowd because he was so spectacular. And, and the crowds would be so interested in Jesus, not only what he could do, but what he could do for them, that they would crowd in on him. And there were times in Jesus's ministry where Jesus would get space between him and the crowd to just spend time with his father in prayer. Mark one thirty-five is one verse that stands out. And I think about this verse more than uh, a few times, uh, probably every other week, I think about this verse. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In the midst of busyness and chaos and ministry, and it was, you know, just growing. He said, this is, this is not all my life is. I have a life with God in prayer, and I need that time with God in prayer. And you see him slip out to do that. We've already read about how Jesus is about to choose his 12 disciples, and so he spends all night in prayer. There's other times where Jesus is exhausted from ministry. There's uh, an occasion where he feeds the 4,000, he feeds the 5,000. And we'll read in, in uh, Matthew 14. We read after one of those instances in verse 23, after he dismissed all those people he had just miraculously fed, in a, in a long day of exhausting ministry, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Luke 5.16 will record that same incident. And in there, we read that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There's a story in the Gospels that you may have heard before where you have all these little kiddos and parents, particularly I think it's the mothers, they want to bring the kids to Jesus because they see Jesus as a holy man. And they want Jesus to just bless their children. Remember that story? If you've been in church, you've probably heard that story before. 
And what does that mean? It means they are bringing their children to Jesus and asking Jesus, would you please just pray for my child? And the disciples are annoyed because like today, if a kid runs up to you, I mean, it's cute, right? Like kids can be cute, especially in small doses. You know what I mean? Big doses, eh. but in small doses, you know, so, so, but that's not Jesus's world. Children are, you know, kind of in his time, it was children are seen, but not heard kind of thing. You know what I mean? Some of you kind of probably, some of you grew up in that kind of generation, right? So, so that kind of annoyed Jesus' followers. Like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? We're trying to conduct adult business here. We're trying to get things done, and you are interrupting with these kiddos. And you remember what Jesus does? He rebukes them. And he says, let the little children come to me. What is he saying? He's saying, I want to pray for them. And that's exactly what he does. He prays for them. Places his hands and prays for them. That's in Matthew 19. In fact, uh, this is a bit of a theme, is that Jesus says not only is he welcoming of children, but he's saying, you should be like these children. You should come to me, needy, and wanting me to be involved in your life. He says, you need to be like children. And there's a story in the scriptures out of Matthew uh, chapter 11, where Jesus, this is when we actually, when Jesus blessed the children, we don't know what he said. When he prayed at his baptism, we don't know what he said. But in this occasion, we do know what he said. He, he, I'll read it for you. Matthew eleven twenty five 25 and 26. Jesus opens his mouth and we hear the prayer. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. He not only blessed the children and wanted to pray for them, but he wanted us to be like children. To want to be blessed by Jesus, to want Jesus to pray for us, and to want to pray to Jesus. Before Jesus raised Lazarus, again, like I said, he had a miraculous ministry alongside of his teaching ministry. And one of his one of the people he was closest to on earth was this family of uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus, their brothers and uh, brother and sisters, and Lazarus, the brother, dies. And Jesus gets word. He eventually shows up uh, to see what he can do. And John chapter 11 records a story. Verse 41, we read, so Lazarus is in a tomb. A tomb often would be a cave and they put a stone over it. Sound familiar? That's kind of the story we know about Jesus' burial. He was in a cave and there was a stone, right? Same deal with Lazarus. And so when he shows up uh, to Lazarus' burial spot... What we read is that uh, he says, take the stone away. He looks up and he prays, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may also believe that you sent me. So Jesus connects his ability to pray and be heard by God to a testimony about who he is. And what he was there to do. There's a moment in Jesus' ministry with his disciples where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? Remember reading that story in the Bible? Maybe you've read it before. It's not a small moment. It's a revelation of who God is in Jesus. 
And, it, and Peter in particular is able to give the answer. Who, who do people say you are? They give an answer and then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Jesus says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, right? What's interesting is what takes place before that is he's there with his disciples in prayer in Luke chapter 9. When Jesus would travel to Jerusalem, uh, maybe you know the story, he goes into the temple. temple was kind of like a church building. Um, And in the temple, there was supposed to be an outer area where you could come and pray. And if I remember correctly, anyone could come and pray. You didn't have to be Jewish. There were parts of the temple where you had to be Jewish or you could not get in. But this was a particular part where you would come and pray. And you wouldn't just pray for you. You would pray for the world. And when Jesus shows up in Jerusalem and he walks into the temple, what does he see in this area that is supposed to be dedicated to prayer? He sees people selling and buying goods, which was a necessity at the temple. You had to sell and buy goods like things to uh, offer as sacrifices. But there was this whole monetary system that had taken over the area of prayer. And and you may know what Jesus did. He got uh, a little upset, right? Kind of traveled through, knocked over a few tables. He uh, made a whip, drove out the money changers. What's interesting is what he says to them. Matthew chapter 21, verse 13 records it. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. You may know the story that Jesus was transfigured. In other words, when Jesus was uh, up on the mountainside with his disciples, um, something incredible happens where he becomes, where they get a glimpse of here is God in the flesh. We knew that, but now we're seeing it. And he is like lightning, like a flash of lightning. And there he is with Moses and Elijah. And, his, and he's brought three disciples with him. Now what's interesting about that that I'd like to point out is that they went there to pray. Jesus took Peter, John, and James. This is Luke chapter 28, or chapter 9, verse 28. Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him, and they went onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Incredible moment in Jesus' life there with his disciples. And it was a prayer trip. That was what they were doing. Jesus so exemplified prayer. I've got like a dozen other of these stories. I'm just going to skip them, okay? You want to read them, I'll give you my notes. You can go through them. But let let me point out this one more thing. Is that Jesus was known amongst his disciples, so much so as a man of prayer. These are just a few examples. I've got more. That his disciples asked him to teach them to pray. Did you know that? In fact, Jesus' disciples, as recorded in Scripture, do not ask Jesus to teach them to do anything else. Now, I'm sure that they did at some point, but the Holy Spirit inspiring human authors to write this stuff down only saw fit to record the disciples asking their master, their teacher, Jesus, one thing, which I think is interesting because disciple means a learner, 
They would refer to Jesus as a teacher, which is sometimes they would refer to him as a rabbi. Rabbi and teacher mean the same thing. So you have a teacher and a student relationship, and the student recorded in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life only asked Jesus to teach them one thing. Teach us to pray. And Jesus does teach them to pray. The two longest sections of Scripture in which we see Jesus teaching them to pray comes out of Matthew and Luke. Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 15, which is a part of a very well-known sermon that Jesus preached. He covered a lot of topics, but prayer was right there at the center of it. You may know the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to teach. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Right? That was what Jesus taught his disciples as a model prayer. Now, where are we going with all this? Well, obviously, to pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. He taught his disciples to pray. And you and I are called to pray. In Jesus' darkest hour, he gathered his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is going to be arrested and crucified. And you know what he did there, don't you? He prayed. There we have his words. Right? Not my will, Father, but your will be done. Even when Jesus is on the cross in excruciating pain, we have that he offers three prayers. The first prayer that we read is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This comes from uh, Psalm 22. Oftentimes, if you would quote the beginning of a psalm, you would indicate that your intent is for the listeners to be thinking of the entirety of that psalm. So it sounds pretty bleak, and it was. If you read all of Psalm 22, you, send it, you see it ends on quite a hopeful note. But there Jesus is pouring out his heart, using the scripture to do it in prayer. Jesus prays for those who are killing him. He says in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then the final thing Jesus does before he dies is he prays. The beginning of his ministry starts in prayer. His ministry is saturated in prayer. He's praying during his uh, trial, during, during his most physically and emotionally and spiritually strenuous moment in the garden. And he is praying on the cross. And the last thing he does is pray. He says in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was a man of prayer, taught his disciples to pray. His spirit lives in you, Christian. And so I firmly believe if you're a Christian here today, you desire to pray. Even if you're not a Christian here today, I bet there are moments in your life where you pray and you want to pray and you want to connect to God, even if you don't know how. But I bet all of us would say, I'm just not satisfied with my prayer life. I wish I prayed more. I wish I knew how to pray better. 
I wish I saw more results from my prayer. I wish that when I prayed, I could sense that God is listening to me. I wish there was more of a connection with God in prayer. I wish I had more time to devote to prayer. Maybe sometimes it's sin in our life that makes us feel like, oh, I can't talk to God. I've blown it again and again. God doesn't want to hear from me. Maybe we've really tried and we feel like we failed. Maybe we don't even, we're not even sure that prayer actually does any good. There's a whole list of reasons why we might give for the state of our prayer life. But I, I bet if you're like me, you would still say, but I, I really want to pray. I want to pray more. I want to pray better. I want to feel the presence of God in my life as I pray. And can I just encourage you? Something as important as prayer is worth doing poorly. It's, it's worth fits and starts. It's worth making mistakes. It's worth just muddling, muddling through, just not even sure. It's worth your effort. It's worth your best efforts. It's worth your half-hearted efforts, efforts early in the morning when you're struggling to stay awake or late at night when you're struggling to stay awake. It's worth your effort when you are distracted by a million things and you feel like I've really only got five seconds to pray. Pray for five seconds. It is worth you doing it poorly. Now, does God want you to get better in prayer? Yes. Why? Because prayer is how we talk to God. And God wants us to talk to Him. He wants to hear from us. He desires that relationship with us. So, of course, He wants us to pray longer and to pray more intimately and to pray for more people and more things and to trust Him more and to experience Him more. Of course, He wants that. But you know what? God is willing to start where you're at. He has not set this bar that you can't possibly reach. And he's just waiting for you to cross that threshold of the power of prayer and the presence of a wonderful Christian. No, God just wants you to come talk to him. Are, are you concerned more about how your kids address you or that, you're ta- that they're talking to you at all? Say, well, that mouth on that kid. But let's be honest. If they stop talking to you, wouldn't you just want to hear anything from them? Why? Because the relationship is at the center of it. And that's what prayer is. Prayer prayer is, there's models, there's systems. I'm going to show you one here in just a second. But at the heart of all of that is just a relationship. God wanting to hear from us. That, That is... The center and the essence of prayer. You know who didn't technically need to pray, but did? Jesus. He he didn't need prayers answered like you and I do. He didn't need the same kind of assurance that we need. And yet we've read just a small portion of his life that was marked deeply by prayer. Why? Because God the Father and God the Son had an eternal relationship before he... Before they ever created the world and put all the stuff like you and me in it, they had a relationship. And prayer is our opportunity to have that relationship with God. And and yet, we need to be invited into that. If someone just shows up to my house and, and, and wants something, 
and I don't know who they are, and they want to come in, sit at my table, and eat food with my kids, the answer is probably no. I don't know them, right? I would be leery, especially if I've got my kids there. I, I just, I would not do that. Step outside, talk to them, see if we can help. But other, otherwise, move along, right? Right? But if that's my kid that went outside to play and came back to the door and not because sometimes I lock the door behind them because they won't stay out there long enough, you know what I'm saying? And then they come to the door and they knock and they want something. They say, Daddy, I'm hungry. And if they need that snack, sometimes they don't, but if they need that snack, they need to come inside and go to the bathroom or it's too hot or it's too cold. Of course, I'm responsive because we have this relationship. And as a Christian... You have that same kind of child-father access to talk to God as a child, to just share what's on your heart. You don't have to have all the language. You, you don't have to memorize a bunch of scripture. You don't have to sound pious. In fact, it's better if you just sound like your ordinary, everyday self. And you don't have to say long prayers. You don't have to use big words. You just open your mouth and you tell God what's on your heart. Tell them what you need, tell them what you want, tell them what you're thinking. You're having a conversation with God. But you see, you need to be invited into that kind of relationship with God. And that's what Jesus is doing when he comes into this world. He's saying, the Father and I, we want you in this family. We want you in. So you don't have to doubt that God wants to hear your prayers because Jesus left heaven for earth. That you might have a relationship with God that is marked by prayer. You don't have to wonder if if God ever gets annoyed with your endless list of requests. Or how many times you come to him to say, God, I I blew it again. I made a mistake. I I can't seem to get over this sin or or this this, uh, experience. And I just feel so frustrated. Like God does not get tired of hearing you. How do we know that? Because we're in the family. We are his children, but you have to be invited in. Jesus invites you in. Jesus says to God, the father, I got some adoptive brothers and sisters here that I want in the family. I'm going to vouch for them. I I know they're a rough looking bunch, right? And normally we wouldn't let this kind in, but I'm vouching for them. You can take my perfect record, God, father, and you can credit my record to them So that they can get in. And and they made a lot of mistakes. They've done a lot of dumb stuff. I know. But listen, here's what I want you to do, Father. I want you to take all their sin. I want you to put it on me. I'll take the blame for that. So I want you to give them the credit for my perfection. And I want you to give me the blame for their vast amounts of imperfection. Sin. So that when we walk through that door And we are in the family of God and our prayers are heard. It's not because you were good. It's not because you were a perfect son or daughter. It's not because you earned the right to be heard. It's grace. And this is the good news is if it's grace, it means you can't send your way out of that kind of connection with God. If you couldn't earn your way in, you can't send your way out. And so you may be here today and say, oh, I want to pray, but I've just, I made too many mistakes. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. If you trust that Jesus took those mistakes from you, then you can trust that God is ready to hear a prayer of repentance, a prayer of change. He wants to hear from you. Now, 
I want to take a bit of a hard shift. And I want to talk about a way in which we can engage God in prayer that might help you. Because like anything, a system helps. A plan helps. You may, I hope, God, God's Holy Spirit has pricked your heart and you want to pray. And maybe you've been thinking about it or maybe it just hits you as you sat here and heard God's word. And you just say, I want to pray. I hope that that is happening. Let's talk about how to make that happen. Because it's one thing to say, I want to pray. It's another thing to develop a life of prayer which takes intentionality. Now, that should not be cold and mechanical, okay? Because, again, it's a relationship. But let's be honest. Some of the best relationships you have took time and intention. It took your time and energy and focus and effort. If you have a good marriage, it is unlikely it happened by accident. If you have a good relationship with your kids, it's unlikely that happened by accident. If you have good friendships, I doubt that that happened all on its own. I bet it took some of your time and intentionality. To develop that relationship. And that's all I'm saying. Your life with God is prayer. And it might be helpful to you to have a way in which you can fulfill those desires in a plan with, to take those intentions and turn them into a plan. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it should be cold mechanical. I'm just saying here's a way in which you can engage in it. In your Bible reading plan, you will find... Uh, a sheet of prayer cards. I tried to get around to as many of you as I could to give you a prayer card. If you got a prayer card, uh, hold it up. Let me see. Did you get a prayer card? Hold it. Let's see. Almost all of you. Okay. If you didn't, again, don't worry. Just pick up one of the Bible reading plans as you leave, and it will have a prayer, prayer cards in it. If you've already got a Bible reading plan, just pull the cards out of it, shuffle that bad boy to the back, and we'll put more prayer cards in it for next week. Okay. This it comes from a book called A Praying Life by a guy named Paul Miller. And I had a friend of mine uh, recommend that I read the book. And that friend who was in ministry in a church went on to work with the Praying Life ministry. I got to go to a conference with him uh, at my friend's uh, invitation uh, just this past November in uh, the Houston area. And it was really wonderful. I got to met, meet the author of the book A Praying Life, Paul Miller which is really nice, and he's a wonderful guy, and got to sit for two and a half days and just listen and learn, or a day and a half, listen and learn about prayer. And so what I was doing going into it that has been reinforced since then is to make use of a prayer card. And I just want to talk with you about how to use that prayer card, and I want to challenge you uh, to fill out one prayer card today. And, And you don't have to fill it out to completion. I'm going to talk about what, what parts do you need to fill out today? But you'll see that some of those parts you need to give it a little bit of time. All right. So let's take a look at this together. At the very top of your prayer card, you're going to write down the name or situation. Your prayer card may be for someone else. Now here's what I want you to be thinking about. Prayer, prayer for a person or situation. I want you to be thinking about what is most weighing on your heart and mind right now. When you go to bed at night, what's on your mind? When, when, when that dull moment in the day hits and your mind wanders and it is just drawn to that, what is that? That's what I want to encourage you to do, do a prayer card on, is the thing that is weighing on you. And maybe something about you, maybe something for someone else, but just write down the name. It's so-and-so, maybe a kid of yours or a friend of yours. You write their name down. Or it's a situation, it's my struggle with X, Y, or Z. Maybe your prayer life in general. I, I, 
God has put it on your heart for a while now that he, that he wants you to have a, a, a stronger relationship with him in prayer. Whatever it is, name, situation. And then over by date, what I encourage you to do is just simply put the month and the year. So you just put January 2023 or J-A-N period comma 2-3, right? Underneath that, you're going to think about how often will this prayer card be your focus in prayer? Now, if this is something that's heavy on your heart, it probably needs to start out as a daily prayer card, and you just check that box. If it is something, once you kind of develop a stack of cards and you're praying through a bunch of cards, some of those cards are going to move to once a week, and that's where you can check that box and put the day of the week that you're going to be praying for that particular situation. Now, underneath it is Scripture. One of the best things you can do is pray Scripture. God has spoken to us in the Bible, and we can speak back to God. There's some... There is a kind of authority when we say, God, you said this. I'm just holding you to it. You said that. And I just want to claim that. I just want want to see that promise fulfilled, right? And so where is there a scripture that really lines up with that concern of your heart, right? Now, there is a book in the back that has situations with a list of prayers underneath it. You, one of the things I do a lot, and you got to, uh, it's generally a pretty safe thing to do, is just Google search scripture on depression, scripture on loneliness, scripture on uh, sexual sins, scripture on uh, whatever. And, and there's a lot of good sites that will just list a bunch of scriptures, and you can find a scripture in there that connects with what is weighing on your heart, and you can write that scripture down. One of the things I would encourage you to do is don't be in a rush to find a scripture. Also, you don't have to find the perfect scripture. Okay. Oftentimes, uh, as I've been doing this for the past several months, is I just start out with a name and date. And then every day I just pray, and I just pray whatever's on my heart about that thing. And then I just ask God, is there a scripture? Would you lead me to a scripture that I can put down? Is there something more specific that I need to be praying, Lord? And that's the, and that's the last part. What are the specific things that you're praying for, for that person or that situation? And you may not really know. Again, pray. Ask God to show you. God, what is it that you want for this person? What is it that you want for this situation? Show me, Lord. And it may take you a couple weeks before you get that card filled out. And that's okay. The purpose is not to fill out a card. The purpose is to engage with God in prayer, to talk to Him. That's the intention, is you develop your relationship with God in prayer. That's your aim, okay? And God will start to just kind of reveal those things to you little by little. It may come really quickly. It may take time. That's okay. And then the back of the card is simply a place in which you can put down some updates. What's going on? Uh, and, and you're just filling out, you know, maybe, maybe there's something else that came up that you want to pray for in regards to that person or that situation. And you just take that prayer. And here's my challenge to you. We're about to enter into the month of February. Okay? My challenge to you is you to take that prayer card... And you make it a part of your everyday time with God to pray over that card. Now, you may have already started this system. You may already have a rotation of prayer cards. That's awesome, okay? Uh, You may want to add a new one to it. And as you go, you should be adding new ones to your prayer card rotation. But what is it that God is laying on your heart heavily that you need to be in prayer for every day? And you just pull up that card and you hold it. And, it, and if you're like me, I just, you know, you got a lot going on, you're busy, your mind can be scattered. There's something about holding that card in front of you and reading it and focusing on God that helps you to tune in to prayer. And I hope that will help you. And so I, I would encourage you, even now, you can tune me out. 
and start filling out that card. Because I hope you will leave today with, at the very least, the name and the situation and the date. If you just have that, you've got a good start. And for the next month, every day, just begin to ask God to help you fill out the rest of the card. And then begin to pray that card and just lift that up to God. This is not anything magical and I hope it doesn't seem mechanical. It's just a way for you to have, take that intention, take that desire and put it into a plan that you can enact. Because you will know tomorrow if you picked up your prayer card and prayed or not. But if you don't do something like that, oftentimes what happens is why I meant to pray about that. I wanted to pray about that. And instead, I just worried about it or I forgot about it, right? So this is a way to help take those intentions, take those desires, make it concrete that it might help you develop your life with God. Because as I've said before, and I'll I'll close with this thought, there's, there's nothing. I know there's so many things that are important in your life. And there's a lot of things that really aren't that important. They just feel important. But there's a lot of really important stuff in your life. But there's nothing more important than your life with God. Nothing. The world, the devil, situations in life will try to convince you otherwise. But it's just not true. He made you. You are made for Him. You are made for a relationship with Him. And Jesus taking your sin and making you right with God has connected you back to God for whom you are made to relate to. So God is saying, I want you to come to me like little children. Just come and talk to me. Come pray. Let's just, let's spend some time together. That's what he wants for you. And Jesus shows us how far he's willing to go to make that a possibility. So I hope God pricks your heart to pray and you'll find a way to Develop a life of prayer that maybe is a little bit more consistent than it is now. Maybe a little bit deeper than it is now. Because there's nothing more important in your life than your relationship with God. And one of the primary ways that we relate to God, have that relationship with Him in Christ, is through prayer. Speaking of, let's pray. Father God, that you would want to hear from us is a pretty awesome thing. That you can hear from us is pretty amazing because there's a lot of us. But you are able. You are willing, you are interested, and you are able to hear from us when we pray to you. God, thank you for that. Thank you that you have cleared the way in Christ that we can be heard by you and we can be sure of it because we're your children. And God, I know there's maybe for some just a lot of weight, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, maybe a lot of regret. And it's keeping us from praying. God, just break down every single reason or excuse that we might offer for not coming to you right now and talking to you at this moment. Help us just to pour our hearts out to you because you're listening. And for that, in the name of Jesus, we give thanks. Amen. As always, we encourage you to use this moment, these, these uh, few moments that we have together as we close, to pray, to talk to God, fill out that card, come to the front and pray. If you need prayer, I'll pray for you. I, I love to pray for you, okay? Whatever the Lord has put on your heart, let's just respond to Him in prayer 